Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. My name is Matt Southcombe and today I'm joined by our rugby writers Delmi Parfit and Simon <coughs> Thomas. Um, before we get into things today we're going to be talking about um, all the Wales team selection debate uh, coming up next week. So we're going to talk about the players who are on the fringe of selection and the, the merits of their selection. Then we're going to talk about the Welsh Premiership. Obviously, that was cut in half last week. Um, some big teams missing out on the top eight. We're going to talk about the, the reports of Sam Warburton um, reportedly looking to ditch the Wales captaincy ahead of the Six Nations. Then we're going to go on to some transfer news before talking about how the regions got on last weekend and how they look going into this weekend's European action. Okay, so chaps, let's um, dive straight in then. Um, Del, I'll come to you first. We're going to talk about the the players on the fringe of the Wales squad with the team announcement coming up on Tuesday. Um, let's start with Thomas Young. He's, he's the only one to start with, I think. I think so, yeah. I think um, if, you, if you're picking... If it, if it was just down to picking players who are in form and, and, and who perhaps warrant selection by their performances, then I, I personally don't see how uh, you can ignore him. He's been... He's probably the talk of the entire Aviva Premiership right at this moment, which is saying something for a... Uh, still relatively young Welsh uh, open side. Um, I remember watching him in uh, Wasps' game um, against Bath on Christmas Eve, and uh, I knew he was playing well, but that that performance really took me aback. I just thought he was sensational, um, and, and I use that, I mean that literally. I thought he, he was the pick of that game, and there were some great players on the park that day. Um, so we'll see. You know there are obviously um, drawbacks from Wales's point of view with his availability because he's he's, in, he's with an English club. But I just hope personally that those um, those things um, that his form outweighs all those other sort of uh, more sort of red tape considerations. I really do. So I just uh, talk a bit about why playing in England makes it a bit more complicated to pick Thomas Young. First of all, it makes me feel very old. I remember him kicking a ball around with Dye after games back in the ni- <laughs> in sort of late 90s. And um, I also remember watching Thomas when he was playing for Cardiff, but primarily at kind of premiership level when he was coming through the academy. And, you know, he was always technically very good um, and a good engine on him, but he's really physically developed now into a player who can hold his own in a, in a very combative league and more than hold his own. I went to see him in, in the autumn, went to speak to him, lovely lad, and um, I watched the game purely watching him, which you don't get to do very often as a reporter. No. And it, it was it was very eye-opening. I mean, he you felt like there was two sevens on the field for Wasps because he just seemed to appear at every single breakdown, either hitting the record, challenging over it, and his ball carrying was strong. The, short, the long and the short of it, the kid's on fire. Mm. He's absolutely on fire. But, as we sit here now, I couldn't say hand on heart I'm convinced he's going to make the squad for a variety of reasons. If you look at it, first of all, how many back rowers there are going to be? Uh, in 2015, Wales only went for five back rowers in a 34-man Six Nations squad. Uh, last season, they went for six in a 37-man squad. Now, we, we're yet to find out how many. We think it's going to probably be between 34 and 36. Mm-hmm. So that the back row contingent could be either way. Yeah. <clears throat> and if you look at it, there's probably four men who are nailed down for that back row situation. You've got Faletau, who's coming back from injury, should be okay. Moriarty, Tipperick and Warburton. You expect all four of those to be nailed on for spots. And then after that, there's an absolute host, a plethora of potential back row forwards. If we only have one more... 
they like James King. They like the versatility he brings, the work rate, the line-out options he brings. You've also got young Ali Cracknell, who's really come through well for the Ospreys this season. Mm. So if it comes down to a close call, then inevitably the fact that um, Thomas plays in England might come into the equation. Because if you look at it, um, all the Wales base players are with the Welsh setup for two weeks before the Six Nations. Um, in English base players, it's less. Um, I think Tom is available for a couple of days at the end of that week or the start of that week and then not there for the full two-week period. Mm. There's also the fact that if they were to go for Cracknell and Thomas Young, there would be two uncapped players in the setup. Would they be prepared to do that? There's a lot of these combinations, but the bottom line of it is if they've got an uncapped player they're not going to have a lot of time with beforehand, might that influence their feelings? Personally, I hope he's in there because I think you need to be seen to reward form and his form is so exceptional that he deserves to be there but it's not our decision is it exactly and you touched on um, the, the plethora of back row players who are sort of next in line if you will and one of the other ones down here Ollie Cracknell mm. um, what are the merits of his selection next week there's there's an element of legit to him in mm. that he's a, he's a ferocious attacker he's not probably as um, efficient as Lidgett, as few have been in the modern game, you know, but he's getting right up there in terms of his defensive work. But what he offers on top of that is a real ball carrying presence. He, you know, he's not, he's not like, you know, razor sharp like a typical, but I mean, he covers the ground and he hits and he is physical and he knows his way through people and past people. He knows his way into gaps. I really like him. I like the fact, you know, that he's a great little story. He's born in Leeds, come up through the RGC ranks. Happily, we, we capped him at under-20s level, so yeah, he's yeah. tied to us. He's been one of the big successes of this season. And with Lydiat out, he does offer that kind of like-for-like replacement for us. So he, there's big claims for him. Of course, like Thomas Young, he can play both sides. I mean, Thomas plays six and seven as well. Yeah. Um, that's the, the one thing we want to say. We're in a good position, aren't we? That yeah, we can e- that we can even be yeah, suggesting yeah. Dell Thomas Young maybe not making mm. it. Yeah, yeah. And um, one of the names I've got down here again is somebody who's been talked about a lot recently is Owen Williams. Dell. Um, the only reason I think that he's in the frame here is because he's playing well, but I don't think he's playing any better than he has done in the two years that he's not been no. picked in Wales squads. He's been unlucky with injuries in the past. He's got injured at the wrong time to be named in certain squads. Um, and at the moment, he's got a. We understand he's got an elbow injury, awaiting results of a scan on that. So he could um, be unavailable once again. But I just think this time, if they don't pick um, Owen Williams because of the injury that Anscombe has had, we don't know what his fitness is going to be like. He's not back playing yet. Danny Wilson suggested yesterday he's still a few weeks away as well. So he's pushing it a bit. So they're going to go with two fly halves in Dan Bigger and Sam Davis. And Owen Williams, in my book, would have been next in line, but. As we've already said with Thomas Young, that's not quite as straightforward because he plays in England. No, it's not. And I, I, I don't think um, Owen Williams is anywhere near as, as likely as, as Thomas Young to, to get the nod side. I don't know. The only thing I'd say about that is because of their injury situation this year at Leicester, he's played quite a lot at 12. And if you look at our centre options at the moment, you've obviously got Jamie Roberts, Scott Williams and Jonathan Davis. But after that, we are scratching around a little bit. Tyler Morgan perhaps hasn't quite kicked on since the World Cup as people had hoped. Jack Dixon is at limited rugby as well. So you look at, if we're going to go, gonna go back in there Cor- well. Corey Allen has perhaps you know, gone backwards a little bit, not, not playing as much for the Blues at the moment. Arguably, um, if they're looking for someone as an extra centre, 
Owen Williams could have been a, you know an option. I think I think as as you know, Matt says, I think we might more likely see Ashley Beck, who's been in the setup before. Skillful players had terrible injury problems, but he's back and back playing yeah, well for the Ospreys now. Well. So I think you know unless they view that they want to go with three high fly halves and they don't think Anscombe's ready. I don't know. I think Owen Williams, he, he, he could struggle to make it. And, of course, we don't yet know the seriousness of the elbow injury as well. Yeah, exactly. We've touched on Ashley Beck there, Del. The one thing that's been levelled at him in recent years is is wretched luck with injuries. Yeah. Um, we, I think everybody felt that if he could put some games together, then he'd be surely back in the frame. And he's done that, and he's showing some decent form. So. He is. He, he, I, I've always thought he's a different sort of player, Ashley Beck. He's a sort of... Um, how can I say he can be very uh, he can be quite an elusive runner he sort of wriggles through gaps yeah. and uh, he's quite a sort of twisty turny midfielder if that makes sense mm. uh, and I think he offers something different and and, and yeah he's, he's had horrendous uh, luck with injuries to the point where he was almost thinking of, uh, of jacking it all in but uh, I think yeah I mean, why not he is the sort of guy who, who if, you, if you give him the run of games Perhaps he has got the ability to come through and and be a real force, uh, you know, at the highest level. And if we are talking about looking to play a slightly more expansive, more ambitious style of play, he's a footballer. He's got good yeah, handling uh-huh. skills. He's a graceful rugby player, you know. And um, I like him. And I think as a reward for form and a reward for perseverance coming back from his injuries, I think a lot of people will be pleased to see yeah, him in that squad. Well, talking about um, picking on form, then uh, the other name here is Steph Evans. Um, we're looking at the wingers and. You've got your usual suspects all the way down to the final spot, and we were. I looked at picking my team that I think Rob Howley was going to pick, and I reluctantly think. Well, I wrote that I think uh, Cuthbert's going to get the nod over Steph Evans, purely because if Keelan Giles is there, do you want two players in the same position who are raw talent? But on, on if you're looking purely on form, then Steph Evans has got to be right in the mix. Though. Well, on form, I would I would put him in there mm. um, with. with even with Keelan Giles, um, you know, because then you, you go to George North, Liam Williams, you know, half penny potentially, depending on how they want to play it in the back three. But I, I, I was impressed with Steph Evans, particularly against the Blues over Christmas. I thought his vision was good. He's, he finishes well. He's got a good step. He's got a reasonable pace. Um, and like Simon said earlier, um, you know, it's that phrase, isn't it? You have to be seen to be rewarding form. Um, and he can play full back and wing as well, which yeah. does add to it. But again, it, I think they might come down to this thing: Do they want to have two uncapped players in their back three division? This is the thing. I suppose the other one we haven't mentioned there. I'm not quite sure where, where he is. Is Halom Amos? Because obviously, he, you know, I think if he is fit, you, you have to put him into the equation. Um, Cuthbert, it comes we come round and round to Cuthbert all the time, don't we? Mm. I mean, I question whether it would. Be, be in his interest for me for him to be in the squad, you know, because obviously, you know, your confidence gets knocked, and he he seems to have taken on the mantle from Reese Priestland as the man that the social media keyboard warriors like to attack more than anybody. Yeah, you know, it's not been going well for him, but some of the abuse he gets is out of order. But I, I just question a on form and b for for his you know benefit. Is it is it was it good for him to be in there? I don't the, know. The thing with Wales, though, Matt, I think you know they, they've reached the stage now, um, and there's enough time b- before the next World Cup where they, they've almost got nothing to lose. There's not really a, a powerful argument for sticking with the tried and trusted because yeah. the tried and trusted aren't getting us in very far at the moment, and they didn't in the autumn. And I, I think 
you know, the time to say, the time for caution almost is, I know it's the Six Nations, people demand results. You know, my goodness, we in the media demand results, we do. But I, I just think as a coach, they, they've almost, they, they're in desperate need to unearth uh, some new talent and, and to, to blood some new talent and get that talent into a position where you say, well, no, they're not untried anymore. They've had a run because, like I say, that last year was a really poor year for let, the Wales. Let, let's be honest. If next Tuesday they name a squad that includes Thomas Young, Cracknell, Steph Evans and Keelan Giles, you'll get a real enthusiasm from the you public. Will, I'm not saying that's the reason to do it, mm. but there are times when you think you actually need to give an injection of, of verve and enthusiasm and exciting youth. And those four coming in would be a real statement, along with the likes of you know Nicky Smith and, and Rob Evans. People you can say, yeah, these are going to be crucial players in, in 2019 World Cup. Because you know? the, way, the way I feel at the moment, look, talking about the World Cup, if we carry on the way we're going, we're going to have a squad that's sort of clinging to their international careers or, or in the twilight of their international careers, whereas other sides will have players who are going into that competition, either in the earlier part or in their prime. And unless, like you said... They don't bring players through now, and we're either going to leave it too late or we're just going to go you in. You can already already see it with. The, I think you can already see it with the likes of Jamie Roberts, even Sam Warburton. What you know? Why is he considering giving up the captaincy? Well, he's doing it because he's concerned about his own form in the inter, and he wants to stick around. And I, I mentioned it in a piece the other day. You know, Lions year in two thousand and nine, Ryan Jones was up for the captaincy. He didn't even go on the tour. Mm. Now that could happen to Sam Warburton, yeah. you know, if, if things don't change. Um, so, you know, J- Jamie Roberts. I'm not saying his Test career is over. Not, not, not for a minute am I saying that. But it's already he's already starting to to be uh, more of a peripheral figure. If the Gatlin era has told us one thing is that when real talented youngsters are given their head, Warburton, Faletau, George North, when these players get a chance, Moriarty. Give them back them deliver. They generally deliver, don't they? And they've gone on to become. You know, look at Moriarty. Before the autumn internationals, you thought, oh God, Falatau's out. To be honest, it's the ultimate tribute to Moriarty that we didn't really miss Falatau that much. If they, if it, if they're good enough, back them and let's go with them. Yeah. Do you think that um, the coaching staff will be given a little bit more leeway if results don't go Wales's way? If they've picked a few younger players in the squad, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> Wales didn't like that, uh, Matt. But I think at least uh, maybe they will. Maybe the vitriol. I tell you what, if they pick the same players and they and we see the same. I know we won three in the autumn, fine. But if they st- if they stick with the tried and trusted, and 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 and, and the results are poor, well, you'll, you'll see some vitriol then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right then. Let's uh, move it on to uh, some big news in the Welsh Premiership this week. Si, it was um, yeah. sorry last weekend. It was cut in half. You've got the top eight and the bottom eight. Um, the first season that we're experiencing this since it was brought in, and there's been some rather big name casualties of this new system. Uh, the bottom eight consists of Neath, Newport, Bridgend, Cardiff. Bargoid, Swansea, Cross Keys and Llanelli. It, yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? If you look at what you might 
call the standalone Premiership teams. I guess the likes of another parts of regions, but the ones who are probably more of a focus purely on the Premiership, the likes of Aberavon, Pontypridd, Atlandavri, RGC, Merthyr, they're all in that top eight. And those teams, those big name teams, which are kind of more tied specifically to a region like Cardiff, perhaps like Llanelli, uh, like Newport, are down below. Now whether. Whether that's just coincidence mm. or whether it means that it's less, it's, it's more difficult to focus on a league when you're part of something else, I, I don't know. It's an interesting one. But there we are where we are. At the top eight, great. That's going to be really interesting. You know, I'm looking forward to those games, um, seven matches, like seven cup finals, really, with, with the playoffs at the end of it. Mm. You, know, you know, to see youngsters at RGC and see Aberavon and Ponty and Merthyr go in for it would be great. And there'll be a lot of interest and that league will be worth following. But the bottom eight that, that that's going to be quite hard to sell really isn't it <laughs> those those teams and we've, we've seen reaction that we've had to a piece written by Anthony Wolf and our colleague um, didn't go down particularly well because those teams will tell you that they've got the tier two playoffs to play for and the Swaylek and the Fosters Cups but as you say it's a lot more difficult to sell hey, to. they'd rather be in the top eight yeah, I guess yeah. that's it. What, what have you made of these of this, Del? Now it's happened. I mean, when the plans were announced, they were a little bit eye, you know, eyebrow-raising, oh. but um, now it's actually happened, and, and you can see it in front of you. It's a bit of a surprise, isn't it? A bit of a shock. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I, I was speaking to, to Geraint John a few weeks ago, and, and, and I know how um, passionate they are to, to try and uh, get the Welsh Premiership to be a bit more relevant to overall development of players in Wales but I know as well that they see this as uh, very much uh, a leap in the dark and he admitted that at the time um, and he was honest enough to say well look if it if it turns out that this doesn't work then they'll they'll, they'll change it again yeah. um, I'm not sure if um, if it's in um you know, for a guaranteed number of years, is it? Th- is well, it's a three-year ring fencing yeah. of the league. I mean, they, they've done it really to increase interest in the second half of the season. And people have turned around and said, "Why aren't the, po- the points being carried over?" Yeah. There is a logical argument why not, because if they had been, you could have somebody in the playoffs by February. So um, yeah. they've, they've started again from scratch. The only thing you maybe say is, if you really want to focus, you know, on like higher level of competition the the best going banging away at it for trophies well maybe you should just have an 18 premiership yeah is that or too a radical two, or a two, or a, <laughs> i don't think or anything's or too or radical a, anymore or, or a two-tier premiership from from day one yeah. hey listen they've been messing around with this league for as long as i've been doing this job pretty much yeah. when it was like the, the pre-regional league it changed the numbers it changes all the time and we're still kind of having a debate 13, 14 years on from the introduction of regional rugby, what is the premiership for? What is its specific role? Is it there as a development tool? You've had all the issues with the premiership select team being set up because they wanted something else. And the debate still goes on. And and I'm interested to see what they come up with next. Mm. Okay, interesting. Uh, All right then, chaps, moving on. Uh, Sam Walton, uh, as you've already alluded to, Del, has been in the news this week. Um, I understand that He's uh, considering stepping down from Wales captaincy, although we've seen more reports today that that's not happened officially yet and he's due to speak to Rob Howley about it before the team's announced. Um, what do you make of that decision if he is to relinquish the captaincy? Well, I mean, I, I, I said um, earlier on in the week there's no player that I got more time for in that, in that Wales setup than Sam. He's been a, a fantastic captain for Wales. 
Um, he's a great guy, always approachable. Um, in fact, that's that's you know one of his real um, you know plus points is that he, he's humble um, and um, he's always willing willing to willing to stop and chat. He is a great player. And there's no question about that. But I don't think in the last year in particular that he's done himself justice. Um, he's, he's had his injury problems over the years and and, and having to overcome them. Um, and and again, something else um, that I've said. I, I just think if this is what it takes to get the best out of him in terms of his form, then it's, it's unquestionably the right decision. I, I think something has to change for for Sam because um, I think the writing was on the wall a little bit in the autumn, and I and I I wouldn't be surprised if he feels himself that he is being a little bit squeezed out of the the process somewhat, mm. and he and he sort of he sort of said, hang on a second. What can I do to try and re- rediscover myself and, and prove that I still have very much something to offer? And and he does. There's no question about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm sure he's doing it for the right reasons. And, and look, Sam, for me, he doesn't owe Wales anything in terms of the captaincy. He's done it a record number of times. He's done it for the best part five five six years on and off. Um, and he's done it brilliantly. Um, so you know, give someone else a go. So how do you make of it? He's done it for six years, almost six years. That's a heck of a stint. And first I'd say um, he, he again is one of these people who, who comes in for a lot of stick. He, he speaks to people outside Wales, they can't get their heads around it. Um, this is a kid who's given everything physically playing for Wales and his body's taken the, the blows as a result. Um, I've watched him quite carefully this season and I, I think perhaps we do forget that when Wales played against Argentina, he had a big old game. And he still offers something that few players out there can really deliver, which is immense physicality over the ball. Um, actually, Thomas Young is moving in that direction, actually. But at his best, he is still a hugely effective player in those situations. Um, and I think also having watched him this season, he spent a heck of a lot of it in a pack that's not been going forward. The Blues are virtually absent completely of ball carries, Nick Williams not there, he spends a hell of a lot of his time on the back foot, spends a lot of his time jumping in the line-out as well. I still think that he could have a big part to play for Wales in this Six Nations, aside from the captains. I think it sounds like that's happening, doesn't it? It sounds like, yeah. it, it sounds like he's going to be stepping down or however it works with Alan Wynne-Jones coming in. But I think the, in a way the bigger picture is like, don't write him off for the Six Nations. No, no, not Because I, I think he'll start against Italy, because I think you know, if you look at Faletau at the moment... He's had virtually no rugby this season. He's out again at the moment. I think the starting back row against Italy will be Sam at six, Tipperick at seven, and um, Moriarty at eight, with either Faletau or Young on the bench. If Young's there, you'd think probably Faletau if he comes through. Anyway, and I think that um, it'll be fascinating to see how Sam goes because, you know, he'll want to go on that Lions tour mm-hmm. and he'll want to prove a lot of people wrong. Um, I think that he's still got a big international future. And in t- the key for him has always been getting a run of games injury-free. Yeah. And he has actually, a few weeks now, got some fitness under his belt. So let's see. Let's see what happens. I think um, by giving up, well, not giving away the armband, I suppose giving it back, really, um, it sort of removes that element of comfort around the fact now he feels as though, well, he may feel, in my opinion, that he is no longer not undroppable 
but I think he'll feel under a lot more pressure now to perform given that you know we know Justin Tipperick's going to keep playing well we saw that stat the other day that he's not missed a tackle in 160 tackles or whatever it is like that um, so I think by by the fact he's no longer captain if Justin Tipperick is playing well Walton has almost given himself a kick up the backside here and unknowingly like you said he knows that he needs to have a big year if he's going to make the Lions tour mm-hmm. so like if it does improve his form, then who's gonna who's gonna say anything? But Simon's already touched on it, Dell. Um, Alan Wynn Jones. There's nobody else really, is there? To step in. Well, there isn't. And like this is why we we I sort of came in uh, to the office last Sunday, and we sort of sat down um, the day after we we'd done the story on on Sam, and, and and we said, right, you know, let's do something on the the um, the potential contenders to take over, and and, and we sort of started to compile a list and then realised that, well, if, you, if you're going to do it on the basis of the captain has to be guaranteed his place, the captain obviously has to be fit, and the captain obviously has to have the right personality to lead the side, then you really don't come down to too many options other than Alan Wynne-Jones. And the only possible other one would have been Ken Owens, possibly, mm. given that he captains the Scarlets, but then he's under competition always for his hooking spot from yeah. Baldwin yeah. and other people coming through. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? Mm. Like, and This is a guy who was captain of the Lions when they won the series, by the way. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've seen that vi- video of him giving the talk before, and I, I'd have done what he said. Hey, listen, we've all had our... Uh, are all up and down with Alan Wynn over the years. He's 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 a he's a you know he's a strong-willed character and he doesn't he doesn't mess with take fools easily. And sometimes he thinks perhaps some of our questions are a bit foolish. But I I think I think he's an outstanding rugby player. And you know if you remember last season he he had the injury problems didn't he? And he he wasn't at his best. But I think that England game showed it. And then he ended up taking a little break. And we wondered if he'd come back. And the autumn was finding his feet, and obviously he had this sort of the personal loss with father passing away. You know, so it was a difficult period for him. But I tell you what, the last six weeks he's just been immense again, back to his very best. I think um, two or three, you know, man of the match performances, just a complete inspirational figure. And um, if I was putting my money on the Lions captain right now, I'd say Alman Jones. Mm-hmm. It's got to be up there. All right, then uh, transfer news. Uh, busy week for transfers in Welsh rugby. We'll start with Liam Williams. Uh, his move to Saracens is finally being confirmed um, we're looking at replacements now we've seen uh, f- from a Scarlet's point of view we've seen Lucas Amaracino I think it was actually Sai you who wrote this yeah story. I think it seems to have gone a bit cool that one Amaracino now I think he might, might be staying in Argentina um, it will be of interest to Scarlet's fans to see what they do because not only are they losing Liam Williams to Saracens but also DTH van der Merwe to Newcastle yeah. you know two quality international players uh, so they, they kind of need a, a, you know to keep their um, supporters enthused, they need a kind of big name back three uh, signing. But then, you know, it's difficult because the budgets are what the budgets are. And, and they and we come back to other issues then, of course. But they, <laughs> th- there are limitations. I mean, I think you're going to touch on Owen Williams, but, you know, I, I think if we look at that one there, um, people have been on, oh, why isn't he coming back to Wales? Why aren't Cardiff Blues signing? Why, aren't he going, why isn't he going back to Scarlets? Why isn't there a WA? You can't, well, I'll give you 350,000 reasons why it's not happening. And that's, and that's, it could be more than that. I mean, Gloucester are um, spending very big at the moment. They've got new investment by all accounts. 
and there's no way any team in Wales could compete with that. If, if you look at Lee Halfpenny, we're pushing every single boat out we've got to try and keep Halfpenny, and that's £400,000. How could you really justify spending 350000 plus on an uncapped player? Although, you know, he'd be an asset, yeah. but, you, you know, you have to be realistic about these things. Back to honour Liam Williams one, Dell. Uh, he's one of the most exciting players in Europe right now. Um, huge, well, we say he's got a huge future ahead of him, and... Um, but it's not as if he's not achieved anything as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but what kind of player are Saracens getting in Liam Williams, and how do you expect him to do at what essentially is the most successful club in Europe right now, having just won the Champions Cup? I, I think any player would would be um, so excited to go there because all you'd have in your mind is I'm going to a great side and I'm going to a side that's, that's going to win most of its games and 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 is going to be capable of of winning the Champions Cup. Um, what type of player are they getting? They're getting someone where I know this is a cliche, but they are getting someone with it, with the X factor. Someone who, like like we said about um, about Ashley Beck earlier, although they're obviously different types of players. But people, he's a bit different, Liam, isn't he? he um, mm. And and he's as brave as as they come as well, fearless. So um, I do worry a little bit about the the, the physicality of of the Viva Premiership because he's had a few knocks. Yeah. Um, Liam and I'm not suggesting that um, he's not up to it physically but you know it's going to take it out of him in, in that respect don't forget yeah. they've got the artificial pitch at the Alliance Park as well mm. you know and, yeah. that, and that can be so very wearing you've seen that with, with injuries and in various of those pitches mm. interesting to see where he plays because yeah. obviously they've got Alex Good who was I think season before last was the Premiership Player of the Year he's an absolute regular for Saris now Chris Ashton is going to Toulon, so the vacancy. Well, I was reading that they see it, they see him as a wing. So well, it's where we'll see him. But but he <laughs> but he wants to be a fullback. <laughs> he wants to be a fullback. Yeah. So, so the club he's going to see him as a wing. Wales see him as a wing. The Lions oh. coach probably sees him as a wing. Maybe he's a wing. The other bit of news uh, that came out this week: Sam Underhill leaving the Ospreys to join Bath next year. Um, so I don't think. Too many people were surprised to see him leaving Wales. Kept us up late that one, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I think if you look at it, nobody in the Ospreys is going to have any issues. Any Ospreys fans because he's got a unique situation. The lad, right? He's uh, although he's born in America, actually, he was raised in Gloucestershire. Was on Gloucester's books. Came to Wales to study economics at Cardiff University. Um, got a sort of development youth contract with the Ospreys and Bridgen jointly. Uh, and really, from the moment he got a chance with the Ospreys, you just thought, this is something special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you don't see them come along too often, but he is a real special talent. So physical, so strong, such a good carrier, good over the ball. Just really somebody who you just you see and you think, yeah, he's got it. And Eddie Jones spotted it very quickly, didn't he? He was, he was keen you know, to sort of try and bring him on board, but of course... The RFU have this policy where you have to be based in England to play for England. So realistically, for his own career progression, he, he, he kind of had to move to England. Now, he's on a three-year contract with the Ospreys, which means they benefit because they will now get £150,000, we hear, um, transfer fee for him as he moves on to Bath um, with, with everyone's best wishes. Um, 
it would have been lovely if you could have had three years residency in Wales, but then I suppose we have got quite a few open sites. We, we don't want that getting more complicated <laughs> than it already is. I mean. And to his credit, I don't think that was ever in his mind either. I think he sees himself very much as an Englishman, and let's be honest, he's going to have one hell of an international career if he carries on. I, I, I was just impressed with the way from day one. You know, it was it was obvious he was going to get asked about the residency thing, but from day one he said, "No, I'm English and I want to play for England." So good luck to him. Yeah, and let's let's not make no bones about it. He's going to seriously enhance their background well they need an open side they do I, I think he's a 50 plus future England captain person yeah yeah 100% 100% alright then we've touched on Owen Williams highly <laughs> 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 praise indeed yeah it? well I, th- I, I think he's that good though. I think he'd be on the Lions top <laughs> steady um, we touched on Owen Williams so I, I want to make an appeal for people to stop tweeting now asking why we didn't bring him back to Wales as you've already touched on, yeah. there's a lot of money involved in his move to Gloucester and it's not the kind of money that's floating around in Welsh regions. Um, but do you see it as a good move for Owen Williams going to Gloucester? Owen's a funny one, isn't he? Because I remember when he left the Scarlets to go, I think it was 2014 now, and people mm. were saying, why is he doing that? You know, They had Toby Flood on their books, they had Ryan Lamb on their books, but he ended up usurping both of them. And He's forged a really good career for himself in England and he, he's an adaptable player who can play 10 and 12. Um, now Gloucester were looking for a 10. James Hook was one of their options, he's going back to the Osprey, so they certainly need it. There's a vacancy there. They've just signed um, a highly rated Georgian prop from Worcester. They, they seem to be serious about building a really strong squad there. Um, so I think that he will be joining a team with big ambitions. Um, obviously, you know, I would imagine he, it makes it easier for him to come back and forth to Wales if he wants to see friends and family in Australia mm. Gunlice where he's from. So yeah, I think it's a good move. I think the reaction of the Leicester fans who were disappointed to see him go says a lot. You know, he just recently won them a match against Munster with a kick from halfway. He's a talented rugby player. Love to have seen him back in Wales. But unless there's some millionaire out there who wants to put a lot, a lot of extra cash into Welsh rugby, it's always going to be a struggle, isn't and it? He, you know, for all we know, he, he may have preferred to go to Gloucester, you know, and, and he may he may not want to come back to Welsh regional rugby. Yeah. You know, there there is the Wales thing, obviously. But well, he's not captured, you see. This yeah. is important to point out because there was no counter offer on the table from Wales, and because he's never been a senior squad member before, he's not captured by Gatton's law, so he wouldn't need to be a wild card. So if he's playing well enough and convincing people then like Thomas Young who also isn't captured they can pick him whether they will that's another it is, it is I, I'll come back to though it's still that thing about they don't get the players the same time they get the rest of the squad it, there that, is that will always go against listen, them listen if next week Thomas Young and Owen Williams are both left out of the Welsh squad I can guarantee you that we'll be asking Rob Howley about it at the press conference and he'll say well again this is an illustration of where players based in England is you know, making it more difficult for us to pick them because of the availability you can see it being said already and it's true it is true there are always issues in terms of availability and it's harder it's not so bad for a Jamie Roberts or a George North who's been part of the system for years but if you're a young kid trying to break through then there are always props at the back of the mind of the coaches on I need to see him but then I'm not going to see him you know yeah. I think they, they gave some figures didn't they last year but Ross Moriarty I think maybe out of something top of my head is something like out of 30 training sessions over a period he was only training he was only to make 14 because of availability it does have a knock-on yeah. effect but then we get back into Gatton's law and selection policy and all that, and we'll be here for another 20 minutes. But let's not. Let's not. <laughs> you just wish. I know it, I know there are, there are cogent reasons why, but sometimes you just wish the Wales team could just be the 15 best Welsh players. 
yeah. and, 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 and like 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 football almost, you know, where where in 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 international windows the international game is king and the rules are there to back it up. And you yeah. just wish, you know, I, I just sometimes despair. It is so complicated. The challenge, the challenge <laughs> is, the challenge is to make it attractive enough for those fifteen best players to want to play in Wales. That's the challenge, and that means having competitive, well-resourced regions that can go and play in front of big crowds but I don't have a magic wand <laughs> the WRU doesn't have a magic wand and we are where we are um, I mean that Gloucester thing you know, I remember going up there when James Hook joined Matins, you know, I would emphasise it there are a lot worse places to play your rugby than there. Yeah. You know, Passionate it's, it, crowd, yeah, great club, isn't it? Yeah, it, and it is king in that in that city as well. Yes. You know, and it's a great um, great environment, it's a great training environment. Um, you know, so like I say, perhaps Owen Williams just you know that it wasn't it was more than the money that appealed to hey, you. Uh, uh, if you were Owen Williams and you were Lee Halfpenny, offered less or had a chance to make a lot more money elsewhere and probably compete, what would you do? Yeah. Seems to be a no-brainer, doesn't it? But I oh, see you've got me down. We've only had a five-minute <laughs> chat about it. Hey, Six Nations is coming. I was Don't worry. In a good mood here, and you've just totally killed it. Anyway, um, Regent Scarlet beat Ulster 16-13 in a tight one at uh, Park at Scarlet at the weekend. Um, good to see them keeping pace with the top four. Yeah, they were they were gutsy, Matt. They were gutsy. The story of that game was the. Uh, was the um, interpretation of the new laws oh, by the referee? I've which just is, said I've been put down. No, well, hang on a second. I mean, there are no new laws. Well, there are guidelines about yeah, sanctions. Guidelines. Let's then, get this right. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it did turn. I mean, I mean, from on the basis of how we've usually um, interpreted things, it did, did seem a bit farcical. Um, I, mm. I didn't think either of those challenges warranted a, a yellow card. Um, and I think that the Scarlets in particular were galvanised by that that try, um, mm. that penalty try for for, for Sean Reedy's challenge on who, who was it? Who went it was on the line? scrum half. Aled uh, yeah, Davis. Yeah. Uh, I think that galvanised the Scarlets. But uh, apart from that, those two incidents, which were which were critical, I thought the Scarlets. I've seen them lose those games. I've yeah. seen Welsh teams lose those games so many times, and and Ulster really were. I mean, Scarlet's fans won't like this, but Ulster were the better side for a long, long time in that game. There, there, were, there, um, were, there were two performances that really stood out for me. I don't know, you thought of John Barkley again has been a great sign of the Scarlet. So consistent, you yeah. know, playing anywhere in the back row. He's, you know, he's reignited his Scotland career by coming to Wales. But the other one, and I think it's really interesting in terms of Wales, Jake Ball. I thought he had an immense yeah, game. Yeah, he did. And he's been on good form recently. He offers us something different in that second row department. He is a really physical bore. He's the kind of bloke who'll run into you and he'll hurt you legally, right? He's all elbows and he's powerful and he carries. I thought he was outstanding. And at the moment, it's a really big decision for Wales about who partners Alan Wynne Jones. Because Charteris has been playing well for Bath as well. I think that's a tough call. Jake Ball for me, though. Mm. Yeah, probably for me. Well, I haven't really seen uh, as much as uh, of Charteris, but yeah. I'd agree with Simon. He, he was outstanding against Ulster. Um, he was. Um, uh, you know, and I, I just think um, it was just encouraging because that was the last Pro 12 game for a while and it was just critical that the Scarlets... Um, you know, didn't undo the good work they'd done against the Blues and yeah, that they yeah. kept in touch. So you think about it, you have a Wales pack which would have... Um, Rob Evans, or Nicky Smith, Ken Owens, Alan Wynne Jones, 
Jake Ball, Moriarty and Falata, you suddenly, and plus Moriarty and Warburton in that mix as well, you've got some serious ball carrying there, mm. all of a sudden, which is something we haven't always had, you know? Yeah. Um, Scarlet's are playing Saracens this weekend in the Champions Cup. Chance for Liam Williams to uh, show the Saris fans what they're getting their hands on. Um, yeah. Massive challenge for the for Wayne Pivac boys. Yeah, I hope it's a good crowd, Jim, because let's be honest, their last home game in the European up. They beat three times winners um, too long, you know, in yeah. the last Champions match. So, Saracens are the English champions, they're the European champions. Hey, my word, if they could back up beating too long by beating Saris, I mean, it still might not be enough for them to qualify, <laughs> but yeah. it'd be a tremendous effort. And, and they've had a good run, Scarlets, you know, and they, they played good rugby and played gritty rugby as well. The, I think the only kind of recent defeat was, was against the Ospreys in, in a hard fought game. I, I just really hope that they make a big fist of it, and it's. We've talked about Steph Evans, you know, and, and there are players like him who, you know, can take this big stage and really demand a Wales squad spot with this yeah. with their performances. Big chance for some of the, for the, the likes of Steph Evans. I know Jake Ball's probably still got to put his best foot forward in these big games, Dell, if he's going to start for Wales. Without a doubt, it's it's like it's like stepping up almost from. The championship to the Premier League in football, they always mm. say you don't get as many chances, you don't get as much space. Well, that will be the case um, against a team like Saracens. You know, you don't—they won't give teams any space. They, no. they smother teams. They they um, strangle the life out of teams. So mm. if you can if you can stand out against them, then it, you know you can you can stand out against. Do you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see Jonathan Davis really showing that he's still got it. Yeah, oh, please. Yeah. You know, if he please. could in a game like that, Jonathan, he, you know, hasn't really sort of lit things up since he's come back to the Scarlets. It's a big stage, big opponents. It'd be such a fillip going into the Six Nations and for the Scarlets if he could really give a big performance with Scott Williams alongside him. Because that duo with Liam Williams there as well, Stephens. This firepower. Mm. It's just it's a shame that Reese Patchell's out, isn't it? Because yeah. he's played well recently. He has. I think it would be a huge boost for, for Wales heading into the Six Nations if, if Jonathan Davis can step up um, in this game because from since the start of the season I've not seen the Jonathan Anything we know. Really. We haven't yeah. seen the Jonathan we know, have we? No. He had no. a serious injury last year, which I think probably he's taken time to get over, but could really do with him firing and hitting the straps. Yeah, it's like Matt's going to be uh, saying his prayers on that. A few years ago, I mean, I, I've, I've always enjoyed watching Jonathan Davis play. Um, just, I go back to the 2011 World Cup and. Um, when he, I think that's when we when I saw some of the best things from him, and I, I've not enjoyed writing about him in the last few months because I, I've had to be critical, and um, and you know it's in there. It's you not. It's nice if he's doing anything player. particularly wrong, is it? It's just because we, we've seen him in such scintillating form in the past, particularly that Lions tour that last, mm. and he, he was such a star. You, you just know what he can do and you're not quite seeing it at the moment I just, what we're not seeing from him in particular is him hitting those straight angles you yeah. know that he used to do and um, he used to be so good at that and mm. getting on the shoulders in the right places but I mean that can be down to you know things can click you know sometimes that's down to a bit of luck and, and sometimes you, you've you got to rely on the team patterns to, to yeah. get the best out of him yes yeah. right, then moving on uh, Glasgow Blues um Glasgow won 29-15 up there in Scotland side, but uh, I know they lost by 14 points, but it could have been... Could have been 40 points, Matt. I, 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 I was doing the live blog on that game and watching it, and uh, 
oh, the stats in the first half hour are just incredible. It was something like 85% possession for for a Glasgow. I think the Blues made something like 50-plus tackles, Glasgow 15. It was amazing that the game was only 10-7 at half-time. You know, yeah. A good sort of snap uh, finish from Blaine Scully kept them in the game. Then in the second half, you know, Glasgow started to turn the, the possession into territory, into points. Tommy Seymour caused chaos. We'll come back to him another day. He's Lions a potential Lions test yeah. winger. And it was a pretty sorry old day for the Blues, and it was compounded by three of their players, MLS Jenkins, Reese Gill, and Brad Thayer, all picking up concussions. Um, they, their squad is in injury hit enough as it is injury ravaged. Um, they're now going to go to Poe in France. <laughs> and I know Poe probably aren't taking it seriously, but the, Corey Domachowski is about to make his first start for the region. And in 11 minutes, the young Lou said, is that kind of situation. Nick Williams is still injured. Um, Gareth Anscombe still injured, so is Tom James. Turnbull's out for four months. Dan Fish is out for the season. <laughs> I could go on. So, yeah, they're going to have to dig deep this weekend. But yeah. they're still in the hunt for a quarter-final spot. They're joint top of that pool with Bath on a positive note. So if they win their last two games, they will qualify for the last eight of the champ- uh, well, Challenge this, Cup. This is a point, Dale. I was at the Blues yesterday, and it, you get the sense, uh, right, Pro 12's in the rear view for the time being. We're back in Europe. This is where we're doing well. And um, like you said, they level on points with Bath. If they win, all they've got to do is bet their Bath results and they'll finish top. And even if they don't do that, you know, they, they're probably going to get through in the next one as up spot. So, you know, let, let's be a little bit upbeat about yeah, this. It's, it's, still a great cha- it's still a great chance for them. But I think um, Simon's right about Poe and how seriously they take it. But I think, I, I don't know, you, you know it's, it's, a, it's a formidable place to go and win. I think even if they're perhaps not... <laughs> at their their A one best, I think it's still good. It's going to be a tall order to go down there and win. Mm. Um, if they do, you know they can almost you know get back and and, and regroup. Look at Bristol at home mm. in the last game. It's interesting because Bristol are, are a different side now from when the Blues played them and won down at Ashton Gate and they're turning their season round. Um, they've got some results in the Premiership. I think they're going to stay up. They're, they're signing players. Um, and they've got Bath at home now, but of course it'd be interesting to see what how they approach it, whether they might rest players for yeah, the league. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I think realistically, I think the Blues will go through. I think they'll go through as a runners up. And my little tip is, I predict um, the Blues will be away to Ospreys in the quarterfinals of the Challenge Cup. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about this Welsh Starbies in the knockout stage. I'd rather have teams in the final. <laughs> Never mind. Um, so, should they be char- targeting this competition, given the way it's gone in the Pro 12 in recent recent weeks? Or? Uh, the, the top six remains their target, very much. That's still their priority, but they have got work to do. There's, there's nine games left in the Blues Pro 12 season, regular season. They're six points behind Ulster. Um, who are in sixth spot, which is the crucial qualifying position for Europe. You need to be in that to get into the Champions Cup. There's six points behind them. Ulster have got a game in hand. And guess who Ulster's game in hand is? It's at home to Zebra. So you can basically say that Ulster have got 11 points on the Blues, which the Blues have to catch up. Now that, given the way they're playing, given the injury problems, is going to be difficult. I spoke to Danny Wilson myself um, you know, recently, and, he, and his kind of hope is if they can stay in the mix... Uh, then by the sort of latter stage of the season, these, the players who are out injured will be coming back. You know, mm. you will have reinforcements. 
but I think I was looking at that table again today I was talking to Della about it we've done a piece on it I still think that their most realistic chance of getting into the Champions Cup next season is via the playoffs the two um, teams that just miss out from the Pro 12 go into a 14 playoff with a team from England and a team from France yeah. and that could be the route um, I think it's going to be difficult for them to finish top six so maybe um, they will want to be also having a real go at this European because at least that would give them something out of the season if they could go a long way in Europe OK then let's head to the Liberty Stadium next and find out how the Ospreys got on against Connaught Brennan Leonard to Dan Bigger is this it is this the try bonus points and it's Ashley Beck who scores in the corner and Ospreys do go away with what they required from this game what their coaching staff and players demanded. Okay, that was Mark Robson from Sky Sports calling the action for you there. Si, the, uh, the Ospreys have gone top of the league after that win against Connell. 29-7, they beat the Irish side. Yeah, it was doing the match report on the Ospreys. It was a list of records, really, when they mm. uh, when they they won the game against Connell. I think, uh, let's get through them all, eight wins in a row now, Dal. I mean, it's a record for them, uh, equaling their own record in the since they were created in 2003. That's a real achievement. They've got maximum points from their first four European games. Um, they are a team on fire, and, and you, what you're seeing in contrast to the Blues, whose strength and depth has been put to a real challenge and perhaps been found wanting to a certain extent. You look at the options they've got, you know, the, the Ospreys, every position virtually. You know, well, there's a, there's a team who can win the Challenge Cup, the European mm. Challenge Cup. They should be absolutely. You know, targeting that and, and saying to themselves, we we need we need, we need to win this. Yeah, if you look at that competition, you look the English clubs, Harlequins and Gloucester, strong clubs. Mm. But I tell you what, if I was any team in that competition, I wouldn't want to play the Ospreys. I was going to bring that up actually. I'm glad you did because let's not be shy about bigging up our own sides here. You know, the Ospreys have got to be favourites for this competition. I think they're the bookmakers' favourites. I think they were the last time I looked. Yeah. I think they were. It was something like. Uh, well, I don't know what the odds were, but yeah. they were—they were—they were. Yeah, it's Gloucester, Bath, and Harlequins. You look at those three, and you could easily see those three and the Ospreys being the semi-finalists. But I—I I would bet them against anybody at the minute. I'm really excited would. to see them in the knockout stages because so far they haven't really been tested. Um, yeah. So they're going to be involved in some real good matches when they have to play the sides. So what have they got? They got Newcastle left, haven't they? Um, Newcastle left. Yeah. Um, one of the French sides Leon. Leon Leon first and then Newcastle they've done, done the double on Grenoble yeah. I'd expect them to probably get bonus points in both of the two games to be honest you know yeah, I mean, Newcastle Newcastle are doing well in the Premiership but I'm not sure how, how, how strongly they'll take this competition they've been feeling younger sides hey, I enjoyed watching the Ospreys last weekend mm. I sat there especially at that first 25 minutes when they were, they were rampant you know, Sam Davis at outside half taking the ball to the line, putting people into holes. Cracknell and Baker were causing carnage. Baker is, we haven't mentioned him for Wales. I mean, on another time, his form would be, dem- he's not even dispatches for the Wales back row. But yeah. I think he'd been some like 18 carries in that game. He's another one who's playing really well. Um, they've got real depth, and uh, it must be an interesting and exciting time to be an Ospreys fan at the moment. Right then, finishing with the dragons. It's always the dragons at the end, Matt. It's always. See, now I'm going to get tweets about this. Anyway, 26-8, they beat Treviso at home. Good result. You know, they got the win. If they hadn't got the win, let's not beat around the bush here. If they'd lost to Treviso, they would have been all sorts of trouble. But they beat Treviso, so let's be positive. I thought they were excellent. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, look, I mean, they, they were uh, they were under a bit of pressure because if they'd lost that, then, you know, we were looking at them splitting the two um, Italian teams. Uh, maybe not in the league places, I'm not quite sure. But well, they're nice but, now. Yeah, but I mean, um, I think that uh, the Dragons at the moment have, have got to be grateful for small mercies because there's, there's not just the problem of them being perennial sort of... Uh, not whipping boys. Poor so relations much. in Wales. Yeah, they've also got the problem of the, the very future of the region and the lack of interest in buying it and the, and, and the uncertainty over who is actually going to own mm. that region. And the uncertainty whether they can play a rugby match on their pitch from week to week. I was just coming to that. They, they got they got that as well. Yeah. You know, and they've got the fact that um, you know the, the um, you know the, um, the the drainage you know which um, I'd like to think has, has come on um, from three seasons ago when it was uh, just a, a sort of square in the, down the one end of the pitch and, and two blokes with brushes. Yeah, well, they've had the housing development alongside the, the ground, you know, which Does I can't imagine. Does that cause a, a general... Well, I'm no architect, I don't, I'm no architect. I, I've seen it knocked around. Listen, the bottom line is they've got an issue, haven't they? Because, mm. A, it's not their ground anyway, they're tenants. And also, you've got the situation where one of the other tenants is Newport County Football Club, and they can't play in an artificial pitch. Now, I think you can have a Deso pitch, one of these mixed options. Um, they don't come cheap. But I, I would imagine that you still need to sort of resolve the drainage issues. But there are there are there are huge off the field issues for the Dragons, right? You know, they're a long way down the pecking order at the moment in terms of their budget. Is you know is. I think it's pretty well known that they haven't been spending the 3.5 million, which essentially is supposed to be the minimum. They they're very much poor relations in terms of the, the, the budgets they have. Kingsley Jones has limitations in that front, and the biggest issue of all is what does their future hold? And who the, is going to who is going to be owning the Dragons and, in a year's and, time? And, and the biggest problem, I think, is that they're stuck where they are because all things considered, we come we come down to the same question every time: is who would want to go there? Yeah. Unless they haven't really got too many other choices, and 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 that's no. It was very interesting to hear Martin Phillips, the WIH executive, talk about the Dragons when he was asked about it last week, and he said there's 73 clubs in that area. It's a real rugby hotbed, and he said, you know, there's no way they can really sort of countenance the idea of not taking up a professional team in that area. But of course, you come back to this whole thing about the whole of Gwent. Will the whole of Gwent buy into it as it is? Does it need to be changed in its identity and where it is? You know, and if it's to be moved, where it could be moved? There's no probably other ground in Gwent. It's a, it's a tricky one. It really is. Should it just be Dragon? Should it just be Newport? It's been going on for years. It's been going on years and years and years. We've had this situation. So, and then we're talking a lot about the restructuring of the, of the professional game, maybe more of a sort of joint body running it. There are big questions to, about the future of the Dragons, but the players can't, they can't, you know, that, that's not them. All they can do is week in, week out, go and do their best. And this week, they've got NSI, the Russians, they, they lost out there. They'll probably be distraught to find that there's perhaps not that much snow coming the Russians. <laughs> they, they would love a bit of that. But if they win that, with a bonus point, going back to where we started all this, yeah. then they'll go to breathe for potentially a winner takes all to go through to the quarterfinals. And this is a competition that they're actually our best team in this competition. Yeah, they made do the well semi-finals in twice. They do well so in they're it. still in it, and uh, good luck to them. They have got a lot to do in that competition, but can they can they can they be successful on the field while this is all going on off the field? Uh, I don't think they can. No, because they they need to reinforce their squad, and they can't really do that until. That there's, a, there's some certainty about um, finances and the structure of the whole organisation. Mm. Uh, at the moment, it's not on a secure footing. 
it's on an uncertain footing. The, the, the great saying is, "What does business hate more than anything? Uncertainty." Mm. And and it, it, I'm sorry, you know, they can develop their own youngsters, and we're seeing this some. Um, the, the guy Hewitt coming through looks a real. Ollie Griffiths in the back row as well. Yeah, but but they can't. You know, ha, what, this is what I said earlier. What what player is going to see the Dragons as an attractive proposition? Mm. And what investor? Because actually, what have they got to sell? They don't own the ground. All they actually really have is their playing assets, you know? So it's you're not going to get somebody coming in wanting to buy that lock, stock and barrel, I wouldn't have thought, for huge amounts of money. I, I think as well, I think the, the you know the local authority have to look at themselves a little bit for, the, you know, the, the, their, their sort of indifference over a long period of time. I mean, it's criminal, really, when you think Newport's a city now. Mm. Uh, it's hosted the Ryder Cup. Yeah. And yet... There's not a stadium worth its salt in the in the whole area. Yeah. I'm talking about Gwent as well. You know, you've got Rodney Parade, which, okay, is compact and reasonable enough ground. But let's face it, for the modern era, you know, you look at some of the stadiums going up in London now. Uh, you know, uh, Spurs redeveloping their ground, the Emirates, Wembley, mm. uh, Chelsea having a new stadium. You know, they've got these mega stadiums at every few miles. Well. Yeah. All right, I'm not saying Newport and Gwent is London, of course it isn't, but it is still a big and quite heavily populated area of Wales, and it needs a stadium. Costs you know, money, though, don't Yeah, I know, but... Costs money. But, you know, you, there's Swansea are catered for, mm. Cardiff obviously are, even Thalethley are. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's... it's I, I just think that a long time ago, someone should have had the foresight to, to step back and... And, and and get a, a fifteen to twenty thousand seater stadium with a deso pitch that could, that could be used by both county and the dragons. Um, Would have been nice. Yeah. Would have been nice. And uh, we we obviously want. We've been getting a lot of tweets in the last week. I, I probably see them more than most because I look after our Twitter page um, from very angry dragons. Don't fans. tell people that. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually no, I don't look after our Twitter page. Don't tweet me. But. Um, you know, we we do um, we want all the Welsh regions to do well, and I get the impression of fans out there think we've got it in for the Dragons, but um, I'll just continue to call it as I see it. And if you've got an issue, come at me, Dragons fans. But, um, <laughs> all fighting talk. <laughs> no, we, like I say, you know, we haven't got it in for the Dragons, and um, despite what the feelings might be down there, I think we are very aware of the problems they face. Exactly, that's the bottom line. Yeah. No, I don't want to end on a bad note like that, but we're going to have to, <laughs> we? So, there we are. Anyway, um, thanks for joining us today, chaps, and thanks for, to you guys for listening at home. Um, don't forget, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, so head over there, search for the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Uh, give us some likes, comments, subscribe, all that kind of jazz. And don't forget, you can catch all the build-up, the live updates, and the reaction to the regional matches on Wales Online.